Hello again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you the next instalment of Hunter Hunted, my original ABP fan fiction written all those years ago, telling the story of Tick Ellith and Jack Mason, the star-crossed lovers from two different worlds, forced to fought, fight together on an alien reserve. Gotta be honest, it's a very nostalgic feeling taking a look back at this, So, obviously reading each chapter, chapter by chapter, the way I'm having to do so now. It's bringing back so many memories. And even though I'm currently writing Hybrid Wars, which is obviously the further telling of Clan Mason and how it uh, all came to be, it's a nice feeling to see how these characters have grown over this period of time and seeing how I started out with them. I've, I've been really enjoying this little stroll, and I hope you guys feel the same way as well. So, as always, if you can like and subscribe and help me to try and grow this channel up a little bit, that'd be very much appreciated. So, without any further ado, this is Hunter, this Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, welcome to Hunter Hunted. Oh, and the usual disclaimer, AVP is not owned by me, there are no Yuzuta hidden underneath my bed that I'm stashing away for later, most definitely not, walking away now. Bye-bye. Chapter 9. Confessions. Pure seething hatred mixed with raw anger and fear drove Jack into a frenzy. Everything he saw was tinted in the purest red he'd ever seen in his life. There were eight of those creatures left at the entrance of the cave. They dove for cover behind the rocks the second he went crazy, and he took out six or seven of their number with a wave of bullets. But the creature now wearing Jack's skin was not going to be sated till all of them lay dead. The saw clicked dry for a second time, and in a flurry of movement, Jack swapped out the belts. As the gun stopped firing, the eight creatures got bold and broke cover and charged him. A few seconds before they reached him, Jack snapped the cocking handle back and shouldered the gun. The last thing the closest ones to him saw was a look of pure hatred in those burning eyes of his. Then he opened up on them, turning the close five of them into instant confetti as the bullets tore through him as he wild-sprayed the whole group. Another one fell as it tried to get into cover, its legs and tail torn clean off by the hail of lead that hit it. Again the saw clicked dry, but this time he had no more belts to change for it, so he simply threw it to one side. Then drawing his handgun, he knelt and took one of Tick's long daggers from the ground by his foot. Then he stepped over the unconscious huntress, headed towards where the last two bugs were hiding between the rocks. The first one died in one shot as it was stupid enough to poke its head up out of the gap in the rock to see what was happening. The massive round from Jack's desert eagle blew most of its ugly face clean off in a shower of green goo. The second one burst out of the gap and went straight up the wall. Jack emptied the clip at it but hit nothing but rock as it deftly dodged his shots and he got noise that fills every soldier with dread. The dead man's click. Instantly the bug dropped off the ceiling and charged straight for him. Jack rolled out of the way one second before it struck the floor where he'd been standing with its massive tail, but he was able to get a strike in with a long dagger as it rolled past his legs. Just you and me now, prick, he said with a voice filled with venom as he stood up. The creature turned and hissed at him menacingly. He noticed the massive gash he'd left on his long thigh, so it would be weak on its left side. With a roar of primal rage, 
Jack charged right at the now rather surprised creature. It braced for an impact, but it never came. It had been too busy looking at the body of the running man to notice that his hands were doing. A flying dagger stuck hard right in its shoulder, and the force caused it to twist sideways. As it twisted back with an angry screech, it found itself staring down the barrel of the rather large gun. Fucking checkmate, Jack said quietly as he pulled the trigger of the AS-50. The alien creature's head utterly dissolved into a cloud of acidic mist that moved with the blast of the massive gun. The body dropped to the floor with a heavy thud. Looking around himself, Jack noticed that the cave was now clear, but for the bodies of the fallen. Then his eyes locked on to his fallen ally. Tick! he yelled, running over to her. She was unconscious and bleeding heavily from the wounds on her arms and torso. Quickly he knelt down and felt for a pulse in the same place as he would on a human. He had no idea if their arteries were in the same place, but he had to try something. Instantly he felt a pulse, but it was kind of weak. Don't you worry, big girl, I'm going to get you out of here, but first I've got to stem those bleeders up, he said. Rapidly he searched through his pouches for the small medical kit he'd seen earlier. He found it quickly and opened it, though he had no idea if the stuff inside would even work on her kind, but at the very least the bandages should do something. Using every single bandage he had in the small pack, he bound up all of Tick's wounds that he could see. Her bright green blood seeped into the material and seemed to at least have an effect. Jack was still operating on pure adrenaline as he'd been driven by fear here but not fear of the creatures or of attack, fear of losing Tick. This was like Afghanistan all over again. Afghanistan, 2013 Are we sure these fuckers are even up here, Jack? Sergeant Sandra Michaels, or Sandy to everyone, who hadn't shit scared of her, asked in a rather bored voice. Jack glanced from his scope over to his rather bored spotter. American brass seems to think so. Your intelligence guys make a pretty good case, he replied looking through the high-powered scope at the mouth of the cave about a mile opposite them on another mountain. Sandy snorted in response to this. You know what ink guys are like. They see a smudge on the lens and suddenly it's the fucking Taliban, she said sounding rather grumpy. Jack looked over his spotter again. She was tall, coming in at about six foot one inch. Solid built like a weightlifter that could bench her own body weight and would do that for you. Right now, her blonde hair tucked inside her camouflage hood, which was more like a net headdress than a hood. She had one of her emerald green eyes squinted shut, so she could look through a camo spotting scope mounted on a little tripod in front of her. Even with the camo paint and black streaks under her eyes, to knock down the sun glare, Jacks thought she was the most beautiful woman he'd ever known, and not just in the looks department either. You know, I can feel you looking at me. She said, suddenly startling him a little. She moved her head away from the scope to look at him and flashed him her perfect smile. Got bored of staring in an empty cave, Jack said with a grin. She just stuck out her tongue at him. He'd known Sandy a total of four years, ever since she'd come from Delta Force to train with the SAS, and she'd been paired up with him. He didn't know at what point exactly they'd just stop being friends and become something more, well, lovers, to be exact. It had just sort of happened. Too many long, cold nights hugging each other for warmth in various little observation posts or holes, as they called them. 
just as it led to one thing that led to another. But now, it was always said around the barracks that if you saw one of them, be worried as the other one was watching through a scope. Sandy had loved working with Jack, so much that she had done selection and officially transferred to the SAS as one of the only women that ever made it into the elite British Special Forces Regiment. Though Jack had no doubt in his mind that she'd make it. There wasn't a man alive brave enough to tell her that she couldn't do something. Real emphasis on the alive part. Jack smiled and shook his head as he thought about it. Sandy was the first girl he'd ever truly loved in his life. She was strong both physically and mentally. She had a wicked sense of humour that made even grizzled soldiers blush. She just seemed to have this aura of confidence around her that just drew you in, and he loved it, and he loved her. He was just waiting for the right moment to tell her. Sandy being Sandy had told him in the first five minutes of their relationship, but he'd said that when he said the words he would mean them with his whole heart and wanted them to mean something other than just being throwaway comments as he felt the word got used way too much in everyday life these days. But the longer they'd been together, the harder it actually become to actually say the words out loud, despite the fact he'd wanted to say them now. But to combat this, he'd hatched a plan. For their latest tour, he'd bought his ring. He'd spoken to a few waiters in their favourite restaurant in Hereford. It was all arranged. When he got back he was going to take her out for a meal once the obligatory waking up on pub floors was out of the way and he was going to bend his knee and tell the woman he loved exactly how he felt about her and exactly how much she meant to him and that this was all going to happen in just three days. I got movement, Sandy said suddenly snapping Jack out of his happy little dream. He quickly aligned the rifle and looked through the scope of the powerful Barrett. A small group of individuals, all dressed in a mixture of traditional Afghani dress and combat gear, were moving in the process of emerging from a cave. They were all armed with a variety of weapons, from AK-47s to RPG-7s, and even a few light machine guns. Call it in, he said, never taking his eyes off the group. We seemed to be setting something up on the south mouth of the cave. As he watched, he heard Sandy's voice reporting to HQ what was occurring. There's a patrol inbound along the valley floor. This is most likely an ambush, she said, reporting back to Jack. Orders? he asked. Observe and engage only if necessary, she said. He sighed heavily. He'd known she was going to say that. Suddenly Sandy spotted the patrol moving through the valley. It was a patrol of American Marines. A sudden series of smoke puffs told Jack everything they'd been setting up. They've got a fucking 88 mortar set up there, he exclaimed as the four tubes they'd seen fired off raining death down on the marines who were now scrambling for cover. Jack watched as a loader went to place a shell into the tube and he squeezed the trigger gently. The massive rifle roared and jumped and gradually a puff pink smoke surrounded the loader and he fell dead. Call the marines and the HQ and advise them we're engaging. He said and he heard Sandy yelling into the radio as he fired off another series of shots at the mortar carriers. Now that they were the ones under fire, the Taliban scrambled for cover among the rocks as the shells from the massive 50 cal kept picking off anyone stupid enough to be out in the open. He saw men pointing and watching the hills. He knew that they knew where they were, but they had nothing that could reach him and Sandy way up here, or so he thought. 
A sudden puff of smoke and a whistling noise above them swiftly proved him wrong. Incoming! He screamed, and he and Sandy went to dive for cover behind the rocks. Too little, too late. The round burst right between them and sent them both flying. Jack's ears were ringing as he laid out on the ground. Looking over himself, he was amazed to find that apart from a few minor shrapnel wounds his armour had taken, the majority of it was pretty much fine. He rolled over, grinning that he was that was until he saw Sandy about six feet from him, on the ground, minus both legs. Oh, fuck! Sandy, no! He yelled, scrambling over to her. She was covered in a patchwork of wounds that were all bleeding heavily. Hold on, Sandy. I'm going to stem these up. You'll be okay, he said quickly, grabbing for both their mini-medical kits. Jack? Sandy said weakly, coughing up blood. I'm here, baby girl, I'm here, he said, grabbing her hand as she raised it up to him. I'm so glad I got to meet you, Jack, and that I got to love you, she said through a coughing fit, and with that he felt her grip slacken in his hands. Her chest rattled like a cage, and her eyes glazed over, focusing into nowhere. No, 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 don't you fucking leave me, don't you dare go. Please stay with me, baby, please. Jack started to roar, that rapidly disintegrated into a whisper as the reality hit him. He cradled the limp body of his dead lover in his arms, smearing her blood all over his armour and tunic. Hot tears burst from his eyes and ran down his face, cutting rivers in the dust that clung to his skin. The pain was unbearable, but then was another mortar burst on the hillside above him, showering him with pebbles, blasted free by the blast. He didn't have time to mourn right now. With one final quiet word of goodbye, he laid her body down and headed back to the rifle. He proceeded to pick off every single one of the Taliban fighters, one after the other, even detonating their mortars in the boxes. One month later, Jack stood at her graveside, staring blankly at the plain white headstone. In his hand he held the military medals that both he and she had been awarded for their bravery. His awarded in person, hers posthumously. Slowly he knelt down and placed both medals side by side on the stub at the bottom of the head zone. I'm so, so sorry, he said quietly. I'm so sorry that I never told you how I felt about you. You were the star of my life and now you're gone. And all I'm all left is a shiny piece of metal to remember you by. I don't want their medals or their sympathy. I just want my Sandy back. If only just for a second. Just so that I could tell you the words I knew you were dying to hear. That I loved you, Sandy, with all of my heart. He said, tears beginning to wind their way down his face again. Too little, too late. He said, stroking the bright white headstone lovingly. He spent an hour just sitting by the grave, working up the courage to leave. But as he did, he took one last look at the stone and he heard a voice in his head. Never forget and never repeat, it said in what sounded like Sandy's voice. He whirled around half expecting her to be stood there with a massive pearly white grin of hers. But there was no one and his heart sank. But suddenly he knew exactly what it meant. I swear it, Sandy. If I ever fall in love again, I'll never hold back. I'll make sure she knows exactly right from the off, exactly how I feel for her. I won't wait until it's too late ever again. I swear it. 
he said, taking one last look at the gravestone. And with that, he walked off, never to revisit. Present day. Once he'd thankfully managed to stabilise and bind up with Tick's multitude of wounds, the bleeding finally stopped. Now he just had the job of getting her back to the cave and out of harm's way. So with a bit of ingenuity, a few branches and some very strong vines, he managed to bring up a drag-along stretcher, though getting Tick onto it wasn't as easy as he hoped it would be. He had to be very careful not to reopen her bound wounds. He was hoping that she would have something back at the cave he could use to help her. As dead weight, Tick weighed a ton. Trying to lift her and put her onto the stretcher wasn't easy in any way, shape or form. But finally, with a lot of swearing and effort, he was able to pick her up under the armpits and he was able to drag her onto the makeshift stretcher. The trip through the jungle, dragging the unconscious huntress on the stretcher, took everything Jack had and then some. But he flat out refused to quit on her. Now he was being driven not by fear or by anger, but recently by a discovered feeling. Love. He still couldn't believe it himself, but when he'd seen her go down in her cave, it burst out of the shadows of his mind like a rampaging bull and just knocked him straight over the edge. All the strange feelings he'd been having, all the flustered looks and the blushing, he'd fallen for her so completely that it consumed his soul like a fire. He didn't understand how it all happened so quickly. He didn't care it was all just ringing in the back of his mind. It was a promise made long ago. Never to repeat. Of all the girls I've met in my lifetime, of all the ones I could have fallen in love with, it had to be the massive alien huntress, he said to himself as he dragged her along through the jungle. But he knew that this was love, pure and simple, and the sheer power of it made him realise that he never actually felt it like this before. All the times he'd thought he was in love, it had just been a hopeful wish or a shadow of what it really was. But this, this was real and the sheer power of it turned him into a wild animal with only one goal, to protect her and keep her safe. It also kept him going long after he should have collapsed from exhaustion. The worst part was, he knew there was no way she'd ever return these feelings of his, but at the same time, he just didn't care. There was no way he was going to let the universe be robbed of such a beautiful creature, not on his watch. It was pretty much dark when Jack finally reached the foot of the cliff where Tick's cave was located. Now he knew there was no way for him to carry her up the side of the sheer cliff face. So given that he'd tied Tick to the stretcher to stop her from falling off, he decided the only way to get her up there was to attach ropes to each corner and hoist her up the cliff. That was going to be easier said than done. Finding giant vines in this jungle was rather easy and the stuff was everywhere and it was super strong stuff like steel cable. She also made it rather a cunt to cut it back. Jack focused on his goal of getting Tick to safety and drove him onwards. He cut and twisted the vines until he'd managed to create about a hundred feet of the stuff. Next he climbed up to the cave and found that the anchor points inside the cave to use the lever hoist around it. Then came the final part, securing and double securing the stretcher and Tick. Finally, Jack now stood at the entrance of the cave with the vine rope in his hands. He pulled all the slack out of the rope and began to haul. It took everything he had to even get her off the ground. Fuck me. I'm never going to be brave enough to tell you this to your face, but you're fucking heavy. 
he yelled as he hauled the rope, the friction constantly burning his skin as he pulled it. It burned it, and due to a couple of slips, he nearly lost a fair amount of skin from both his hands and wrists. But after half an hour of constant pull, rest, pull, rest, pull, rest, he managed to get the Yajuta Huntress up onto the ledge of the cave entrance. Ignoring the pain and the fact his hands were bleeding heavily, Jack dragged Tick into the cave on the stretcher. Then using the little plasma torch that Tick had left on the side, Jack quickly lit all the torches and candles and pushed a huge piece of wood into the cave entrance, sealing it completely. Untying her from the stretcher, Jack moved Tick from the floor into the large bed. Now came the part that was probably going to get his head stoved in when she woke up, but he didn't care, as long as she did wake up. Slowly undid the valves on the side of her mask, which had now had a rather nice dent in it. Both valves hissed and sprayed a gas as they were removed, and then with a little force, he pulled the mask away from her face. Instantly he stopped as he looked at the face of the unconscious huntress. Why are you so beautiful to me? He said quietly touching the side of her face with his hand. To most of his species, they would have seen her as a monster, pure and simple. But to him, he saw more, so much more in her. A deep tribal pride, an unshakable code of honour that he admired so very deeply. Her skin was warm and sort of rough but it felt wonderful to his touch. And he hoped beyond a hope that one day she might even let her touch him of her own choice. As he removed his hand, he didn't even notice the perfect handprint in his own blood that he left behind on her face. Next up was the part that was probably going to get him the beating. Slowly he raised her arms, and with a bit of fiddling to find and remove the clips, he lifted her breastplate over her head to get a look at the wounds under it. Fortunately for his blood pressure, and for her modesty, she was wearing a slim-fitting leather top underneath it. It left little to the imagination, but at least it preserved her modesty and her honour. It wasn't that Jack didn't want to see her naked. He did, but he just didn't want it like this. If he was to receive that honour, he wanted her to bestow it upon him, through herself, through choice. Straight away he saw a long slice going horizontal across her chest, just below her breasts. There was a fair amount of dried blood next to it, and it still seeped through the wound, which, though it sealed itself, was still weeping a bit of blood. Jack wiped the blood away from it to get a better look. In the process, he left a couple of smears of a mixture of his and her blood on her stomach. Although he didn't notice it then, these little smears that are left of handprint would carry enough weight to change his life later on. Those bugs were really a fury when it came to slashing, and he just noticed how many cuts Tick had all over her. He bandaged up the biggest ones, but there were so many little ones all over her. He noticed some of her sh them were on her shapely thighs, and had to investigate them more closely. Right at this point, he was actually hoping she didn't wake up, where it would be rather tricky to explain how he was looking up her skirt. Jack decided it would be wise to remove all of Tick's weapons and gear and go through it to see if he could find anything that was like a medical kit of her own. So he pulled all of her weapons off and replaced them on their stand respectively. Finally he came across something he hadn't seen before. It was a large silver cylinder that was clipped to her hips at the rear. He turned it over in his hands trying to find a way of opening it. Finally he noticed a concealed switch on the top of it and he pressed it. 
The cylinder opened with an audible hiss. The cylinder opened like a little flower, revealing lots of little tools and files inside it. Although he had no clue what he was looking at, he knew this had to be what he was looking for. It was a small oval-shaped device at the top of the tools, and he lifted it out. The second it was removed, he heard a sharp click to his left. He turned to look, and for a moment he was confused, until he noticed a Tick's wrist computer had popped open on its own. Curiously, he leaned in and looked at it. The display was covered in little red symbols, which he couldn't understand, but obviously had to be the Ejuta language. He didn't understand any of it, but then he noticed a small oval-shaped port on the left side of the computer. Hmm, I wonder, he said, looking at the small device in his hand. Slowly he touched the device to the port on the computer, and to his surprise it clicked into place with an audible click. Instantly all the lettering on Tick's computer changed to a blue colour and started making a whirring noise. Suddenly a hologram burst out of the computer which nearly made Jack jump backwards off the massive bed. The hologram appeared to be a representation of Tick. There were lots of little red lines on it which seemed to correlate with her wounds. Suddenly as he looked at the image of the cylinder in his hand vibrated. Looking down he saw two of the vials had lit up. So he set the cylinder down and removed the two vials. Next, a long tool with a sharp spoon-like head lit up, and so did a little fan-like object. So putting the vials down, he pulled the tools out. The second he removed the fan object, it turned it into a little mixing dish. Ah, I get it. You want me to mix the two liquids in the vials? He said aloud. So placing the mixing dish down, he picked up the vials and popped them open. He poured the contents into the dish and stirred it with the spoon tool. The concoction bubbled and fizzed for a second or two before calming down and turning a pale green. Now looking at the hologram, he saw the lines had been circled in green, which he took for a mean to apply the mixture to this wounds. So taking the spoon, he dipped it into the mix and began to spread it into Tick's wounds. As he applied it, the mixture fizzed and bubbled and seemed to be cauterizing the cut shut. Each left a rather nasty scar in its place. He had just enough of the mix to do every wound, even the walls ones he'd bandaged shut. After he'd done them all, he looked at the hologram again and noticed that all the lines had gone green. Next up, a red flashing mark appeared at the side of Tick's head. He took this to represent the impact she'd taken when she'd gone down. Again, another vial lit up in the cylinder. So Jack took it out and looked at it. Then a tool that looked like a syringe lit up. He pulled it out, he realised exactly what nothing else lit up, something he was going to have to inject her with. So he pushed the syringe into the vial and drew the gold-coloured liquid into it before tapping it and pushing the plunger down to remove any air from it. He then noticed a piece of her arm flashing on the hologram. He figures that's where it wanted him to inject the fluid. So taking a deep breath, he pushed the needle into Tick's massive arm and injected her. The device on her arm whirred and clicked a couple of times after Jack had administered the injection before the finally the area on her head went green. Jack breathed out a heavy, sudden sigh of relief, realising that he'd been holding his breath this entire time. The device now powered down and Tick's computer released the little oval object. Jack took it and placed it back in the cylinder, which now closed itself up. Looks like the operation was a success. Now I guess I just wait. 
he said, smiling at the unconscious Yejuta Huntress. Suddenly he became aware of his own pain. Looking at himself over, he realised that Tick wasn't the only one who had been pretty much shredded by those things. But now he was totally out of bandages, as he'd used them all on Tick. So he did the only thing he could do. He removed his shirt and tore it into strips with his knife. His medical kit had a few sachets of antibiotics and quick clot. So he took the antibiotics and filled the makeshift bandages with quick clot powder before applying them. He'd found the water the tick kept lying around in a large pot by the fire pit. He used it to wash off most of his own blood from his body and then the wounds cleaned up. He applied the bandages, filled with quick clot, leaving his hands to last to maintain their use. Finally, once he was done, he sat back down on the bed and drank some of the water. It was only when the liquid touched his lips did he realise that his thirst had been hidden by his adrenaline. He knew better than to wolf it down despite every instinct telling him to do so. So slowly he sipped it to rehydrate himself as best as he could, given how much fluid he'd actually lost. Then after the thirst, everything else hit him as well. The sheer pain, the full-out exhaustion, it all kicked in at once. He found himself crashing down on his back at the bed next to the large female Yujuta. With one last glance at her, he smiled. Of all the girls in the universe, I had to fall for the difficult one, he said. And with that, he finally passed out. And that was Hunter Hunted Chapter 9. I do hope you've been enjoying it. It does feel kind of strange retelling the story that I wrote so many years ago. But i got to be honest, it's... Uh, it's enjoyable to breathe new life into it. So, I do hope you'll join me next week for Chapter 10. And in the meantime, if you can like, subscribe, help me grow the channel a little bit. Obviously, if you can leave me feedback, even on the original Hunter Hunted itself, just obviously add podcast to the title, as always, just so I can tell you're reviewing it anew. It'd be very much appreciated. So, until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying see you next time.